One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'm Ollie Davis, and I am joined by Luke Owen, D A D. Hello, Swap Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. Our last pre-record, not pre-recorded, but a remotely recorded podcast mm. until something else happens. Yeah. So yeah, I in the studio yesterday. I was in the office and, of course, the recording studio is separate to the office. I get there, I'm typing away and I'm thinking, oh, I'll go, I'll pop round and see Rosie because Rosie from No Rolls Barred, she's also a set designer extraordinaire and, like, I, I don't know the correct word, but, like, a master carpenter? Yeah, I think that's what they're she's, called, chippies. Yeah, chippies. She's got a degree, or not a degree, but, like, a qualification in, in joining? Yeah, joinery and all that sort of gubbins. Jo- joining stuff? Like, I imagine signing up for newsletters, seeing Lego. local classes. Yeah. So I was in the office, and she came in and said, hey, how's it going? And she was, like, in full-on overalls. Funnily enough, my lady partner walked out the house today in fashionable overalls. And I was like, you look like Rosie, because she was wearing a thing. Uh, and... That didn't, she didn't say that too kindly, apparently. No. I, you know, because I was effectively telling my lady partner that she looked like she was dressed to paint a house. Mm. Well, I, I believe because I saw Terry briefly yesterday in a video call um, when me and Adam were doing, I believe, with DX Solo. And she was also wearing dungarees of that sort of dungarees. Nature. Yeah. Fashionable. Mm. So, yeah. But these so were did, very did you tell Terry that she was dressed the same as Rosie? No, because they were very different. I've seen, I've seen the the dungarees before. People wear oh, dungarees. I, They've been no, around no, for okay. years. I'm, no, I'm, I'm just clarifying because what you're, what I'm getting from this is that um, Terry was wearing fashionable dungarees, but your partner isn't, and she dresses like she's about to go paint a house. No, no, like like Terry was wearing your classic. Blonde Dennis and the Dennis the Menace dungarees, <laughs> yeah. right? Dungarees. Dungarees are separate from workman's overalls. My girlfriend okay. 
was wearing workman's overalls in a sort of cord material. So she's wearing that's, a jumpsuit. That's okay right now. She was wearing yeah, a jumpsuit. It was a play suit. Yeah. It was a play suit. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> play suit. Is that what they're called? Yeah, they call them play suits. That sounds like something, sure. I take, that's something I would take my kid to, like on a Friday. Yeah. She goes to she goes to a rhyme time down at the local library. Oh my word! If you search "play suit" on Google, you are greeted by a lot of provocative images. Play this suit. is definitely not for oh, children. <laughs> Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah, no, it looks like uh, you look at that that play... urban outfit one, right? That is, it, it's more boob than dress. Uh, the one that I. I can't see that one. We're probably being served different results. Uh, the the catchme.com one is the... <laughs> anyway, anyway, this is a diversion. This is... Be- Look, what we're- let's get back to... Rosie came in and I said, oh, can, can I come and see the studio? And she went, probably not the best idea. And I said, what do you mean? And she was like, you know, it's the... We've teared everything down. It's a mess. This is not the good part to see. You want to wait till tomorrow when we start painting. I was like, no, I know better than you. I'm going to come and see it. Oh, my God, I had a panic attack. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's taking everything down, right? I saw the photos on Instagram of, like, you know, like all of the um, the stuff that we put up there with glue, uh, like all the soundproofing stuff had been taken down and it had been like all of the remainders of it because we put it up quite poorly had been gone. The entire set is gone. It is basically back to how it was when we first moved in. But messy. Yeah. Like when we when we first moved in, it was just a 2.5 meter by five meter echoey barren room with white walls and a black I think a black ceiling and a black floor. And paint fumes. That's what we got when we moved in. Yeah, and a this air conditioning just... unit that didn't work. <clears throat> yeah, and but this was that. So like the the true form of the room revealed itself again, but then just debris. It was like the end part of an Avengers in urban battle scene. Mm. Oh, I thought you were going to say after Thanos had snapped his fingers. No, no, no. Not Endgame, not Infinity War. I'm talking about your classic Avengers. You know, where half half of the logistics is spent on saving the people in the buildings nearby. No, I thought you just meant that the debris on the floor was once Michael Douglas and oh, has now just been snapped out of existence. I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. <laughs> oh, you, can't, you can't be saying that on a show. That'll get me teared right. up again. Well, that'll get All me teared right. up. Oh, Oh, I was—I thought you were saying that because of spoilers. No, no. I, mean, I just said Michael Douglas was one of them. It's the post-credits for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm. Not that I think anyone is clamoring to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, but yes, but hopefully by Monday, so we can we can broadcast this from our new fancy studio. Well, old studio, but done up far more modernly. Done up, done up, actually good this time. Hmm. Uh, on Tuesday. Exciting. I'm, ex- I'm really excited to see the new studio. I went to, because I was in the office today to go film Cineworld, and I shot back here so we could do this. And I um, I was going to pop my head in. I was, I was knocking on the door, because I you know, I said to Andy and Terry, is, uh, is Rosie down? And they said, yeah. And so I'll, I'll pop my head in and say hello. Uh, and they'd locked themselves in the room. So I couldn't open it up. And I guess they'd locked themselves in so they didn't, so people just weren't walking in and out and stuff. Because you know you can lock it from the other side. Yeah, yeah. 
but I was knocking and they didn't hear me. So they were clearly either very busy at work or not there and not doing anything. <laughs> but how could they have locked it if they weren't inside? But they might have locked it with Oh, you mean kid. they were just chilling out? Yeah, you know, they've just gone on a, mm. a very long tea break. Yeah. They are well, working. Potentially. But yes, uh, I think I'm at the end of the day, Rosie showed me the tidy version of the room and she was like, this is a blank canvas. It's OK. And I was like, thank you, Rosie. <laughs> uh, we have had some emails in uh, on the Ooh. subject of um, not quite uh, your new rating system, because this was sent in before you debuted the new rating system, which I think has gone down very well. Uh, I oh, haven't seen a success. I haven't seen the comments on today's video. Uh, what was the feedback today like? Uh, you, you know, like uh, I'm pretty, you know, I didn't read every single comment, only about, you know, the, the large majority of them. And I think the general consensus is fine. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. sure. It, it's not perfect. The, the, the same portion of people disagree with this as the old rating system. Well, yeah, That's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Uh, we also had this email in from, find a name. Who was this from? Gabriel. Uh, it says, hi, lads. My, oh, my name is Mac Hensley. I've been watching most of your content for a little over a year. Not get too sad, but back in January 2021, I had to put down my childhood dog after 13 years. And when I was in oh. the vet's office needing a distraction, I watched you guys. You've become a staple for me ever since. I want to thank you. Uh, for, uh, I want to thank you all from everyone on camera to the people working hard behind the scenes from the bottom of my heart. Um, and I think that Gabriel wanted to start the email that way because he titled his email, Ollie hates AEW and so do I, Luke is four out of five. <laughs> wow, man. Uh, that, that, does, that does not reflect the body of the email. No, I, unfortunately, I can't read all of Gabriel's email. You, you can go and read it in your spare time mm. because he's got like eight or so paragraphs about why he does not like uh, AEW. Uh, but I'll, um, I'll I'll read some of this a little bit, which is like, mm. uh, anyway, I'm not a fan of AEW. It's somewhat refreshing to hear Ollie's opinion change ever so slightly. I'm going to explain myself, so bear with me. I'm 19 from Nevada, USA, and I've been a WWE fan for most of my life. I do not actively hate anything on AEW. I only watched Dynamite and Rampage, join the club, and I only started <laughs> watching when CM Punk debuted. I don't have any knowledge about NXT, indie, Japanese, any wrestling outside of WWE that most AEW viewers have, but I have a general idea, mostly from you, and I'm uh, and if I'm really into someone, I'll Google them and get more info. That being said, I personally feel like Dynamite is a pretty consistent high three out of five, and Rampage, with the exception of maybe one match on each card, is mostly missable. I enjoy watching them more than the current WWE product by a long shot, but nowhere near as much as their core audience does. I also fear that AEW may be handicapped by their core audience. Interesting. So you just a. Uh... You don't hate it because you seem to watch a lot of it since August. Um, but yeah, I don't, I I would say overall, AEW's hardcore audience is a strength and a positive because they're passionate and they bring so much to the show. What I think you might be conflating it with is the unfortunately very, mo very vocal minority of fans who ruin it for everybody else online um so the uh gabriel goes into sort of a little bit of uh, detail here he talks about how the like uh when i watch aew i have one thought over and over again that was a good spot i wish they sold it more ollie mentioned mm. this in the oh, sammy yeah. cody match um 
More power to anyone who loves the shows from top to bottom. I'm aware that I am in the minority here. Maybe I'm just an idiot, but I just wonder how long it takes for the AEW faithful to start agree a bit more with Ollie and start to question, <laughs> is this actually a five out of five show? Are these minor nitpicks starting to bug me enough to stand up to the IWC by saying I didn't totally love it, which could start a downward trend in opinion. Even if the hardcore fans don't start to fall off uh, at all, I still don't think I still don't know how the future looks for them getting in the casual fan to stick around any longer than Big Bang Theory, which I must admit is a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh well, you just you just lost every shred of credibility there. <laughs> was, yeah, that, that, that's it, exactly. Um, AEW treats its viewers as if they know who everyone is on the roster, which is great for long-term viewers, but horrible when it comes to mid-card mm. heels. They sort of blend together. There's no nameplate <clears throat> saying who is who. I disagree. They always do have nameplates. Um, I don't know the difference between 2.0, Best Friends, Private Party, the Ass Boys, and some of the Dark Order, because they all look like generic creator wrestlers. Uh, I, I, I see what you mean. I think that's an extreme way of looking at it. But I think, yeah, you just what AEW is, is not completely to your tastes. So I don't think that's, uh, but but I don't think, I think sitting around and waiting for the rest of the IWC to come around to your way of thinking, that's that's a futile endeavor at all. It's just a difference of opinion here and what, what the preferences are. James emails in to say, uh, hi, Luke and Ollie. I've just listened to your podcast uh, reviewing AEW and you heard you had no emails. So I thought I'd send you one. I've got something to say. Something about a few weeks back on Dynamite. During the mixed tag with Britt and Cole versus Statlander and Orange Cassidy, there's a bit where Statlander is beating up Britt in the corner while Cole is sat on the apron in his corner. Statlander comes in from the corner and runs to Cole in the other corner, does a semi-squat and farts. It definitely <laughs> happened and looks like something she meant to do. Scroll back, it's definitely a fart. Couldn't stop laughing, but no one's mentioned it. The commentary, you guys, Fightful, anywhere else acted like it didn't happen. It was on last week's Dynamite. Timestamp is 24 minutes, 20 seconds into the fight stream. Please watch it. Make sure I'm not going mad. Oh, my God. Should, should we... I'll get should that up. Find it? Go, yeah. I'll, and, I'll, uh, we're going we'll go to into... the main show. Yeah. And we'll come back and see if we can find uh, this potential fart. Oh, just before you do throw into the main show. Hey, Luke, if I wanted to send an email in to us... What what how would I go about that? You can do that at support at wrestletalk.com. Send us an email. Um James's email then. I I know we were just saying we're gonna find that then. Um, you know, find the timestamp and everything. I actually just in automatically like filed away the email and you know put it into the uh, the trash, forgetting that we needed the timestamp. And I was like, oh no, I need to find that email. So I just went into the email search function and typed in fart and found the email mm. quite happily because it's in there three times. Um, we will get into the main show now, talking about CM Punk and MJF. Sorry if the title spoiled it for you. That's how it works. Here's the show. That's five stars right there. And it's five fingers on my hand. Well, four fingers and a thumb but it resembles five stars. If this episode of Dynamite was just the main event, it'd be a hundred, a hundred percent on the first week of the new system's rating debut. I'm Ollie Davis. I'm joined by Luke Owen, DAD. We are here to review last night's episode of AEW Dynamite that was headlined by one, for me, of the greatest matches in company history, not just on Dynamite, not just on Rampage, but all the premium live events too. CM Punk lost to MJF 
not once, but twice. <sighs> yeah. The, uh, the, 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 so the first loss was a proper jaw-dropping moment. Because, like, we'll, we'll get into the spot in a little bit, but when that hand fell, I was like, oh, dang. I can't believe they, they actually beat him. This is nuts. And then the referee, and then Bryce Remsburg, the most useless, the most useless ref in all of all elite wrestling, um, found the the thing and they restarted the match. I was like, aha, and this is how we lead to the punk win. And then MJF won again. I was like, wow, okay. Well, cool. And it was it was so fascinating to hear the reaction from the crowd to the first loss and to the second loss. What a what a mad match this was to talk about. Uh, so just to paint the picture of the whole match, yeah. First 20 minutes was Punk and MJF just going back and forth, having a great match. It was mainly just Punk wailing on MJF. At one point, he takes MJF over to the audience where a crowd member chopped him. It uh, was not, a plant. Not, no, it wasn't even a plant. It wasn't even. It was a UFC fighter. Yeah. Yeah. AKA a plant. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When you say plant, it makes it sound like, you know, it was just some a lad conspiracy. that they arranged to do. <laughs> oh, well, we'll get on to conspiracies later on, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, this was a, a UFC fighter. Uh, Sean on Twitter was doing some heavy lifting for UFC references on this show that were going mm. over the head of 95% of the audience watching AEW Dynamites. But it was goofy, and us. It was goofy stuff, really. And I, 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 I was part loving <laughs> There was one spot which, goddamn, I could have watched for another five more minutes where MJF is in the ropes and Punk <laughs> hits him and MJF swings backwards and comes back up. Punk hits him again. Swing, twang. It's like those little doorstop things, you know, behind the doors and you kick them and they go twang. It was one of those. Yeah, it was so funny. Like I was proper like chuckling to myself because he was, he was basically on a seesaw. Like using the sort of middle right, mm. and it just kept going on and on and on. And like the more they did it, the funnier it got. And that was just the story of those first twenty minutes. It was just fun. Like, and it's very a very difficult balance to strike. That it never felt undermining of the seriousness of the feud and how much they hated each other. But they still got that fun babyface revenge on the heel. Anyway, we get to twenty minutes in. Because this was, the, the match started about 10 minutes past the hour. So we have 50 minutes of the show left. And you get 20 minutes in. And yeah, MJF got a bit of wrist tape, choked Punk, and he passed out. And the referee declared MJF the winner, but then saw the wrist tape on the ground. It was That reveal was really well done. Max's selling of the referee seeing the wrist tape and restarting the match sublime but before we get on what do you think of the idea of a match restart here well i mean it makes sense right like it, it you know the referee saw it in the moment and the referee made the decision to restart the match but what about there, the, the booking of it oh i thought the booking of it was really good as well because the crowd also you've got a 20 minute time limit and they wanted to do a 40 minute match. It's a smart way to get around it. It is a much better, it's a better version of two out of three falls matches when they uh, didn't want to have wrestling during commercial breaks. I've seen, you know, I think overwhelmingly this match is very much praised. Um, 
And even the people who are slightly critiquing it acknowledge that and say, hey, I love the whole thing. It's just this little bit. And, and the main problem is the idea of a restart. They feel like it um, sort of, you know, it's it's a, a roadblock in the middle of the story. It's a bit cheap, blah, blah, blah. Uh, which I think is, is a valid opinion for me, like you, Luke, because this is the first time we've spoken about this. I thought it was a bloody masterstroke because this is how MJF's matches always go. He always beats someone with a bit of cheating, but then there's either a near fall or they continue on with the match in some way. And that is just a way to protect Max when he loses to John Moxley or whoever it is by the end. So you're all sitting there thinking, oh yeah, well, Punk's going to win. It's in Chicago. That was just a way to protect Max. Max can say, but I beat you later on. But then they continue wrestling. They have an even better second half, I thought, because it just went balls to the wall. Legs, shoulders, stingers. Both men are beat up so much. Pepsi plunges, for Christ's sakes. First time he's done it in and, 17 years. And then, thanks to some Wardlow shenanigans... MJF wins again. The uh, just a bit of a correction uh, on that before we get into that discussion because few people have corrected me in the uh, corrected both of us in the comments, say, but mostly me. Um, it, they didn't say twenty minutes time limit; they just said TV time yeah, remaining. I that was it. Hmm. Yeah, so TV time remaining. So like you could make the argument then, well, you didn't need to do the restart. But actually, I think doing the restart was actually better because I think you got that surprise again because because they did the. Like you said, because MJF beat him once, you're like, cool, that's how Punk then gets him. And then he beat him a second time to get that weird reaction that was so, so cool and so, so interesting. The other criticism I've seen, and I've seen Charles has sent in a, an ultra chat about it, and he's chatting about it in, the sh in this as well, is that it was an, a, a scurry finish. Like, well, you know, you had mm -hmm. two scurry finishes in this, but you also had scurry finishes in the tag match, and you had a scurry finish in the Nyla Rose Ruby Soho match. So that's like, you know, four scurry finishes in three matches. And yeah, the but other... we didn't have any post match brawls. <laughs> and the other argument I have seen, and this was left on our community tab, but I have a few people actually that the in between spots of in between moments during the high spots was a bit boring. Um, so oh, like punk for, MJF. Yeah. So like for me, oh. like you said that you thought this was one of the best matches in uh, Dynamite history. And I, I agree with you, but I think I, and this is why I think you and I are slightly different. I think that both the Danielson hangman matches were better than this. Hmm. Technically, maybe, I, I, you know, technically, yes, you're right. Um, but what, it all depends on what you look for in a match, I think. I I can watch a you know a bell to bell fantastic in ring work match, and they can tell a story in that, and I will really enjoy it. Obviously, that's what Punk and sorry, that's what Hangman and Danielson was. But what I look for, what I really like most about wrestling is the story, which is driven by characters, so the characters as well, and this for me was the the perfect mesh of all my three tick boxes story character actual payoff in the match yeah. so for me this is a, this is a this is a complete experience hangman page and brian danielson was a naff story i i you know in my opinion i don't think it was the right time to do it i don't think the follow up or the build was right 
the match, the action in the ring was astounding, but the other stuff was let down. This for me, Punk and MJF, blew my mind. It's I it, I can't imagine it being done better. Yeah, no, I, I I do agree with you. Like I, I, you know, as I said, like I thought the Danielson Hangman matches were were better than this. But I, you know, as a complete package, Pete made this point on the NXT show yesterday, where he said that he thinks that the reason why NXT 2.0 is so divisive is because there is a group of fans that like characters and gimmicks, and there are a group of fans that like work rates and like wrestling, and you are sort of either one of those two categories. But like, I don't think that's technically true because I think there are people who like both of those things. I am one of those people that likes both of those things. And this is one of those matches where both of those things came together beautifully. I thought Punk's work, Punk's character work in this was amazing. Like he put on a all time baby face performance, you know, fighting back through injury, fighting back through the hurt. I don't think he did a, the only, I, I would say my minor criticism of it I don't think the beatdown that happened on Dynamite last week particularly played into the start of the match. Like they, like all of like Punk's, like the leg and the shoulder he was selling happened during the match. Mm. Like I don't think it sort of carried on from the beatdown that they did last week, where you know, oh man, is he going into the match a hundred percent? It felt like he did start the match at a hundred percent, unless you know he was, unless he was Rollinsing it, of course. Well, it was a week ago. It was only a power. It wasn't a brutal beatdown. It was more of a psychological <laughs> tactic. I thought. Power bombs from Wardlow, but you, but you know, again, one like, power I, bomb. Um, he took a, he took seven of those a couple of weeks before. Look, I am saying it's a minor, minor criticism, and I don't mm. even think it's like you know, I don't, I'm not even wedded to it in in Venice. I'm just, I'm just highlighting it. Um, but let's, let's talk about the, the second finish because oh, can we... I just uh, just further yeah. on Punk Punk's performance in this match? Mm-hmm. I was talking to someone else, and they said that Punk has dipped a bit in speed and finesse but he is like more than made up for that in psychology like watching parts of this match and the way punk was just doing everything i felt like it was real the best punks looked and i love that kingston match i thought this was the best punks looked it was the most like how i remember him with my rose tinted glasses but then with an extra layer on top and we were talking, and he was like, "It's Shawn Michaels. This is Shawn yeah. Michaels coming back after the the back injury. It could yeah. be that level of greatness." It was like this performance, the selling of picking him up for the GTS and falling under the oh. weight of it, like dropping the sharpshooter because he didn't have the leg strength and the shoulder strength to make it work is really good. Like everyone has said about Punk, he has been watching his Bret Hart tapes. Uh, while he was off in his, his seven years off, he basically spent the whole seven years watching Bret Hart matches, and you, I think that is paying dividends. Like, not only is he just ebbing a lot of Bret Hart spots and Bret Hart finishes, you know, the, the finish of the Wardlow match was from his Diesel match. Like, this was just this was a Bret Hart level baby face performance of selling certain leg injuries or selling certain parts of your body and having that affect how you do your moves. Uh, I wonder if, you know, if, if Punk ever saw anything like this and he, he heard me, you know, he's been watching, studying Bret Hart matches for seven years. And then I say, hi, oh, sure, great Shawn Michaels. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> but yeah, the, the second finish, because, yeah, we haven't actually covered it. 
Mm-hmm. So what happened in the second finish is that we have the, the 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 pass out spot and then the match gets restarted and you think, okay, we're going to go to a finish quickly. No, it's another 15, 20 minutes of, of wrestling and stuff. And almost like the match essentially starts again. It literally is restarting. Mm. They have a whole other match. And um, we get into this finish where Wardlow comes out and Wardlow looks conflicted. Because Wardlow has been asked by MJF to come out here. Quite clearly, he's been asked to come down and he, you know, and and sort of like do MJF's bidding. That is what his contract states. And he looks at CM Punk and then he sort of like does a, he puts his hands up and sort of like walks around, like almost better to say like, have at it. Do what you wanted to the little bugger. I don't care anymore. And the crowd pop. They're like, yeah, it's the Wardlow baby face turn. What we didn't see and beautifully here what the commentators didn't see either is that Wardlow had handed MJF the diamond ring. And so when you get into the ring, MJF hits Punk with the diamond ring, pins him one, two, three. And he's like putting into trunk stuff. And the commentator's like, oh my God, he had the diamond ring in his trunks the whole time. And it's only until the final replay of it. It's almost as if the production caught it and were like, oh my God, we need to put this on TV now so the commentators can see it. And like adding that level of realism to it. And then the commentators freaked out when they realized that it was actually Wardlow that cost Punk the match. It was so, so good. I'm genuinely in awe. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm staggered because we all watch a lot of wrestling. Me, Luke, everybody watching. And we've been watching for a long old time. And it takes a lot to sort of shake us out of, oh my God, I haven't seen that done before. Or, oh my God, that like properly made me forget that this isn't, that this is sort of more premeditated. It it genuinely felt like I'd watched an actual real fight with an actual real story. Like I was watching a movie. I forgot I existed. I forgot it wasn't quote real. Uh, and that's what the point of pro wrestling is all about. And those little moments, the the false finish and then the Wardlow moment and that attention to detail with the the switch, I said it in my review, it's like it's that's the transcending power of professional wrestling when it fires on all cylinders. So I loved the finish. Um, do you think Wardlow, the whole Wardlow MJF tension recently, was that also part of the plan? No, because I think even, and this is how good Wardlow is, is that Wardlow wasn't messing with Punk when he was saying, like, you can take him on now. I think that is sort of Wardlow being conflicted about this is still him being conflicted. Because I was watching, because obviously I watched this a lot because I was trying to get images for it for the thumbnail and stuff. Even when MJF is celebrating, Um. Wardlow is looking at him in the background being like, you are such a dick and I hate you so much. And I, mm. I am stuck and I am trapped in this position where I have to do. He's not angry about it. He's just looking and being like, one day, one day I am going to get you. And I cannot wait for that day. And like, and me as a fan cannot wait for that day. I thought it was a tremendous sleight of hands. So next, what happens next? Because, you know, I would say MJF Punk at Revolution. That is just over... A month away on March sixth, you could you could have a rematch, probably with a stipulation added. Or do you do what Brian Alvarez suggested? You capitalize on how hot MJF now feels. He's just beaten 
CM Punk twice in his hometown and have MJF take on Page, Hangman Page. Have CM Punk versus Wardlow again. And then you save that. You still have Punk MJF bubbling away at the, in the background and have that come back up for an actual match in Chicago later on. Yes, you over there. It's like, bro, you can't have Punk Wardlow at Revolution because he's already in the ladder match. Ah, yes. Well, take that part to one side then. MJF versus Hangman. I think is a hotter program for a premium live event right now than Adam Cole. Uh, well, I think they're going to do Punk MJF again with a mm -hmm. stipulation. I've seen a lot of people, people are saying in the chats as well, cage match. So you have like, you that way you can remove all outside ah, interference. Yes. It also adds into, you know, because even at the start of this match, brilliant little callback here. MJF was trying to run away, you mm. know, walking up into the stands and brawling into the stands. So you're like, a lot of this story has been MJF escaping Punk and running away from him. Like this is, you know, remember, and this is how brilliant this story has been told. This is the first time they've touched since this feud has started yeah which is crazy in this modern day where people just have 10 matches to set up a premium live event match so we i think you can now you've got grounds here to set up a rematch zero outside interference and you can't have the dynamite diamond ring in there you're gonna say put the diamond ring on a pole match in long island well when is well? I was going to say do it in Revolution. I mean, I love the idea of doing it in Long Island, but I don't think they're going back there anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think no, you do it at Revolution, do a cage match, because um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of wedded to this idea. I don't think it is going to happen, but I'm sort of wedded to the idea that Wardlow does win the face of the Revolution ladder match because man, he is on the cusp of being a massively over baby face to the AEW mm -hmm. audience. So having him win a big time match there, and then have him beat Sammy for the TNT title. And then he has to hand that title to MJF. I think there's so much in that. More from a business point than a character storyline point. Do you think there's a risk that AEW just killed Chicago by no, A, running it, no. running oh, it too much, yeah. mm -hmm. and then beating the hometown hero in his biggest match so far there? Uh, first point, yes. I, I think there is that possibility because like ticket sales for this were not as strong. Like, the pre-sale tickets for this were not as strong as the previous times they have run Chicago. Granted, you know, the previous times they have run Chicago were like, by the way, guys, CM Punk is returning mm -hmm. to wrestling, so you probably want to get this ticket. And then it was, you know, all out and things like that. But, um, and I think they've run Chicago since then as well. Like Meltzer was making this point yeah. that like the pre-sales for this show were not as strong as previous ones. Even if AEW ran a show with their next week, the fact that they are running it next week would hurt them, not the fact that MJF beat Punk. I don't think we are in that 80s, 70s mentality of killing a town by beating their home star like aew's audience is a very loyal hardcore audience and they're going to go to shows no matter what people bought tickets for the show with nothing announced they're going there because they want to see an aew show and then on top of that and then they bought the tickets and like oh my god now i'm getting punk mjf i don't think you can kill chicago whatsoever by beating punk i am inclined to believe the, to side with you i think but i don't know you know, it could it could happen. I think it is a risk. And that's why I think we should applaud and praise AEW and Tony Khan for doing this decision. 
this was a brave piece of booking and the reward is potentially even greater because historically rematches do more than the first one when it's a hot program like particularly for boxing and stuff so this could be the greatest business decision ever but it could all there's i i do think there's a small element of risk there that when the when you know because afterwards on that second finish the crowd didn't really boo they they were silent i compared it wasn't it wasn't san martin kolov beating san martino in madison square garden but i was like oh is that a stone cold turning heel you know anti-pop i don't think it was but is or is it just heartbreak oh my god yeah i think it is the reaction was a lot like kind of the reaction i had watching this at home and i imagine the reaction that you had and the reaction that all of us had watching this I, we we got worked because mm. of the restart oh, great <laughs> and, and that's great of course it's great to be worked like i love it when wwe workers i love it when AEW, mm-hmm. wrestling's about working us people say mark is a bad term but like we're all marks like we're all marks at the end of the day is what wrestling is built on we all want we're to taking be it back yeah absolutely we say yeah 100 i think because i would wager a good 80 probably even 100 percent of the audience we've seen enough wrestling to think like okay they did that finish to protect punk that makes sense. Yep, cool. And then then Punk gets his sorry that that finished there to protect MJF, and then Punk gets his win, and we all go home happy. People had signs that said, "If MJF wins, we riot." <laughs> you know, it was kind of the same joke as Matt Cardona in GCW, which was the joke on John Cena in the Hammerstein Ballroom. You know, things like like because yeah, they, they, these lads are not winning. You know, and we are going to to riot. John Cena didn't obviously. I think you know Cardona and, and in here MJF did, but it was when MJF beat him a second time. It was this reaction of like. Oh wow! Are they? They really are going with this, and MJF has won. And I think you're right. Is a stunned silence as opposed to like it wasn't the first one was a boo, one hundred percent a boo because no one saw it coming. The second one was a dang, dang they really did it. I don't think anyone those reactions were against the booking. You know, like in WWE, sometimes a finish happens. And it's not you, you're not giving the story or the characters heat. You're booing because that is a crappy creative decision. Here I, I felt like, no, I'm pissed off at events. I'm pissed off at MJF. I wasn't silent when the second finish happened. I genuinely went, no. <laughs> I I was silent. Like that for the I had a proper like mouth agape for the first one. Like a <gasps> wow. Also, because I was thinking. What's going to happen for the rest of the show? This is like 20 odd minutes left. Like, that in the was back like, of my head. In the back of my head, I was like, Keith Lee's coming then. That's I had the same thing. <laughs> I had the same thing. I was like, I was like, maybe they've got a big debut planned or something. Yeah, yeah. Because they had, yeah, had said that it was the main event and stuff. But yeah, so it was mouth agape. The second time, it was just a stunned reaction of like, wow, okay, mm. that is brave to do it a second time. And I, I love it. I, I absolutely 100% applaud it. Mm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, let's see what you all thought on the Omega Chats. WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. Get your chats in. We'll read out every one over $5 or more. PlayStation Squad says Shane McMahon manages MJF and both become the best in the world. I did see a lot of push after the uh, they announced that Kendrick wasn't on the show. There's a massive push for, like, this is your time. You can bring in Shane O'Mac to be the replacement. I am gung-ho on that because the heat. <laughs> Rain Tech says, Hello, lads. MJF winning was the right call. This should elevate MJF as one, if not the top heel in the company, and it helps Wardlow once they decide to do the split. If Wardlow beats MJF that has beaten Punk, you get an instant top monster babyface. Yep, 100%. Yeah, we didn't actually talk about this. How important is this for MJF? Like, yeah. It's, he, he beat Punk twice. And wow, Punk has put his sort of actions where his mouth is. He said, I want to come in. I want to help build the next generation. I ca- How can you be more unselfish? Yeah, 100. Amazing. I thought it was yeah, amazing. William Rosmer. I was at the show last night. Oh, God, I'm so jealous. Uh, and this main event highlighted a problem AEW has that I never thought about before. The main event killed the crowd energy going into Rampage and it never fully recovered, which is a shame because the matches were good. 
I didn't even think about that. But you're right. Yeah, yeah you take Rampage directly afterwards. It's going to be, I wonder if they're going to do some crowd sweetening uh, for Rampage this coming Friday then. Oh, Adam Cole versus Evil Uno after that, yeah? <laughs> pumped! <laughs> Nick Corvello. Hey guys, glad to once again be up way too early in the morning before my work shift to join the stream. Smiley face. Nice to have you, Nick. I was afraid that AEW would repeat the MJF Jericho false finish, but the booking of Punk MJF was masterfully done all the way through. Cankle Breaker. It's <laughs> a good name. I was at Dynamite last night and the main event was perfect. I'm from Chicago. I love Punk, but this was the right call. It would have been so easy to give Punk the win, but the loss doesn't damage Punk, but does everything for MJF. That's a really excellent way to put it. It was easy to give Punk the win. Mm. Like, that's an easy win. It's a brave decision. Like you said earlier, it's a brave decision not to. Love that. It's good to hear from someone, you know, from Chicago who was there as well. Uh, Bad Boy Dino. MJF with the Yankee pinstripe gear made this match even better. I didn't even pick up on that. I only know that because the Warriors baseball furies wear <laughs> pinstripes up, and that movie is set in New York. Laxmi Narasimhan B. This was, in my opinion, one of the best punk matches on AEW. Very, very close to Punk Kingston. Punk selling was awesome. The selling not being able to hold onto the crossface due to his hand. I was that a GTS was that did me him. But the yeah, GTS, yeah, the yeah. Crossface was great. And More the sharpshooter, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry, yeah, you're absolutely right. What did we say? What did we call it? Oh no, no, um, Lax, no, no, Laxim no. said cross, yeah, crossface. No, sorry, I, I was just, I, I got, I was getting my acronyms confused, my, my, my letter names, letter based things. That's actually interesting. He didn't hit the GTS at all in the match. No, 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 and and neither was the salt of the earth armbar. So you know, right. like no, no heat seeker. Loads of their spots they've left on the table. Oh, how can plunge. you put on? <laughs> how can you put on a freaking 35 minute 40 match like that and not hit most of your signature moves and finishes what would brock do <laughs> i've been so conditioned to i only enjoy matches when it's all finishes i was thinking as well i mean because we haven't seen one for 17 years as well pepsi plunge might be the most indie-rific move i've ever seen in my life <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, the pedigree's a cool move. I'm going to do it from the middle rope as dead. I'm going to do a Stone Cold Stunner, but off the top of a ladder. That's my <laughs> finisher. <laughs> it's, it encapsulates Ring of Honor 2004. Yeah. Riddick Wolf. Hi, chaps. Great main event and the restart just solidified for me that MJF was winning. Ah, to give him even more heat. Oh, wow, Riddick, you, you're in the minority there. I feel like... Literally, everyone else got worked. He'll turn for Punk coming soon. Can see him siding with Danielson now as they are both talking about keeping pro wrestling sacred. Thoughts? It'd be, I think it'd be weird if you just put Punk in there. Um, I think you'd, there's still there's still story to be told here before you do the, the Punk heel turn. And actually, I think once he's beaten MJF, then you don't need to do the heel turn. 100%. Like there is a lot of a lot more mileage as punk in a baby as punk as baby face and also keep him away from Danielson as well. You don't need to go there just yet. Austin Falco. <laughs> top start on top rope. Don't need to throw shade at Ember Moon. That's fair. <laughs> what, what a move though. It's that is a pretty that is a pretty indie finisher now. <laughs> now I've never seen that before. 
Austin Falco. I really enjoyed the story beats and the work of the Punk MJF match, especially the Wardlow finish, but it did feel long. Maybe it was the commercial breaks or the show dragging, but I think you could have shaved 10 minutes off and it still would have been great. Yeah, I could possibly agree with that. Um, maybe, you know, when you love something so much, you refuse to even take any criticism like that. That's where I'm at right now. I watched it without ad breaks and I think it made it better. Like may maybe watch it on the fight feed so you don't get the commercials. See what you think then. Kimchi Cowboy. There is an underlying storyline with MJF. He has had two matches restarted. More fuel for him to complain about being screwed by AEW and being better than you and you know it. Much love from Kazakhstan, gents. Thanks, Kimchi. Thank you. Uh, Brett J. Rasmussen, as someone who has gone to multiple AEW shows in Chicago and who lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is two hours away from Chicago, I would go to the next Chicago show in the future, but next time it should be at All Out, must be spread out to not overdo it. That's the key to it. It's, it's, yeah, it's playing an area too much. Here we go. Christopher Jazzcathausen. <laughs> what are we going to get? Pepsi Plunge has never been a great looking move, but damn, I popped huge for it. I love how AEW turns wrestling tropes on their head. Time will tell if they were being too clever for their own good. Vince Russo to AEW confirmed? If, I mean, if we get, being facetious. Yeah, if, if we get the dynamite uh, diamond ring on a pole match, maybe. But you're totally right. That's That plane of tropes is really well done in AEW. Uh, Arc Lid. The amount of time MJF was on Punk at the end was clearly Max telling Phil, thank you. I, I got that as well. Yeah, totally. They were hugging, almost smooching. Thank you so much. I love you. Uh, Danny G, I, I wish I was Max as that. Danny G, hey guys, I love that so much. I can't even tell you. As others have said, completely the right call to give MJF the win and all the credit in the world to Punk for going with it. Wonder if Hogan would have done <laughs> God damn <laughs> Hogan has put over six people in his entire career. I think there is like, isn't it something crazy? Like there's only six or seven people have ever beaten Hogan clean. And they're all Brutus, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. <laughs> it's all Beefcake. <laughs> it's Beefcake in six different gimmicks. It's all Beefcake. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think that shows unequivocally people overly, like majority enjoyed the match and that it was the right decision there's nobody yeah. we had nobody there saying that so that's good to hear because i was a little bit concerned i was like oh that is could that be an austin heel turn moment but thankfully not Let's start with our opening bout of Dynamite. John Moxley versus not Brian Kendrick. Yeah, so I I don't check Twitter or anything before I start to watch a show because I don't want to have things spoiled for me. I want to go into a you know Dynamite and I go into, into Raw the exact same way. I want to go in cold and just you know enjoy it as as it happens to me. So Do you check YouTube? You know, using that same idea? Absolutely not. No, why I uh, I stay. Why would but why you? Would if you, you hadn't seen the thing? Because you might see spoilers. I don't even like check like texts or anything. I, I and because of the field that we work in, I won't open my emails in case someone's messaged me about it. I will just have my phone on airplane mode and I won't check anything until that. So I went into this expecting John Moxley versus Brian Kendrick, and then when it was Moxley versus Wheelie Yuta, I went, uh oh, uh, because I, I had seen that all of this stuff about Kendrick was coming out. 
but I didn't I didn't know that they had stopped him coming to the show. But I was like, I guess they that was you know they made the call not to put him on the show. I'll check into that after the show's finished. Yeah, I mean, I just assume COVID. You know, when someone's not around, mm. you're like, oh, fair enough, positive test probably. But no, I didn't know anything about this until this morning, and you know. God damn. I think they made the right call. Uh, another brave. Well, it's not It's the right thing. Uh, so rather impressively, because I don't see how this story would have worked with Kendrick. It almost worked better. Moxley took on Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta came out with Orange Cassidy, his best friend, and Dan Housen. He's here still. And he's presumably part of the best friends now. It was like the two most bawdy comedy gimmicks accompanying you to down to a Moxley match. Moxley, you know, not not a comedy guy, far from it. They had a decent, like, pretty decent match. I really enjoyed it. Moxley has, he looks even bigger than he did just two weeks ago. Like, he is packing on that lean muscle. Yeah, this was, this was an excellent match. I loved, loved, loved this match. It made Wheelie Uta look amazing. Mm. And like like you, like when he came out with Cassidy, I was like, you know, of course, they're part of the best friend stable. And then when Danhausen was with him as well, I was like, oh, cool. It's, is Danhausen part of best friends? I, I mean, Everybody you know, else is. He's probably a chaos is, member. <laughs> oh, my God. You're right. Is no. he now? <laughs> Come on now. Danhausen and Toriano teaming together. Danhausen and Akada teaming together, surely. Sounds great. The weirdest faction. It's the weirdest (laughs) faction. I love how much chaos winds you up. Ah, It really does. (laughs) Why is Akada in there? (laughs) Ishii! But Danhausen, it was like, you know, Danhausen and Cassidy were there, and I'm like, you know, okay, there's not uh, Chucky T, and there's no Trent or Statlander, I guess, you know, uh, that's a bit weird. But it was there for the Danielson promo afterwards. So I actually love that little bit of detail that it was Cassidy and Danhausen that were ringside with him. I thought that was terrific. And, you know, <clears throat> Danhausen putting the curse onto Moxley to create a distraction at one point I thought was really, really awesome. The crowd were massively into Danhausen at ringside. I think even at one point they were chanting, let's go Moxley, Danhausen, as opposed to <laughs> let's go Moxley, Wheelie Yuta. Um, Yeah, and it was... I, I thought this was an excellent match. Moxie looked awesome in it. Moxie looked great in the victory, even doing the Danielson elbow stomps there, you know, to sort of like continue on, like almost seeming being like a, sending a message to Danielson because he thinks Danielson wants to have a match with him, which I thought was really, really good. Um, and then, but it also made Wheelie Uta look really, really great. I loved how they played. They actually had Wheelie mm. Uta's squash match play into the story of this. And I think, you know, it, it, this this raised the stock of Wheelie user. Definitely. And the post-match angle, which is way, you know, the big thing here, the big talking point, because you had Danhausen and Orange Cassidy out there, Danielson says to Moxley, hey, I watched you from afar when you were the AEW champion. I think, by the way, the best AEW champion. Great character work. Not just throwing shade at Hangman Page, but... Some shade to Kenny Omega as well, a man who has not beaten him still. They've he, just got I was that draw. Say, a man he couldn't beat. He just mm. made sure to make like the two previous AEW champions. No one counts Chris Jericho. The two previous <laughs> AEW champions, like they're not good champions, and because in Danielson's mind, well, I didn't beat them, so they're not good. Yeah. And Danielson says that, and then he says, like, I, I, but I, I could fight you. Everyone wants to see it, and the crowd cheered. 
but I think we could work better together. Let's fight as a unit. And then he talked about Daniel Garcia, Wheeler Utah, Lee Moriarty, these people who are sort of lost in mid to undercard goofy acts. You know, he pointed out the champion as a cowboy, the tag champion as a dinosaur, the TNT champion as makes vlogs. This was Dan Lambert, Brian Danielson. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Danielson Lambert. It was a way I love those lines because that's what mm. we, you know, his whole deal he had with the dark, uh, with Hangman was like, he hates the Dark Order because they're goofy idiots. And he's like, this isn't professional wrestling. Danielson's main arguments appeared to be he was a YouTube commenter who was like, Tony Khan promised me a serious product. <laughs> and I haven't had a serious product because Orange Cassidy's there. It was what I loved about this as well isn't just Danielson's delivery of it, Moxley's selling of it, everything that Danielson's saying, being correct, you know, hey, look, mm. uh, you know, like <clears throat> Lee Moriarty is is with that idiot Matt Seidel. Um, uh, Daniel Garcia is with those goofballs 2.0. Everything he said is correct. What I love about it, though, is that should Moxley accept and they become the two-man power trip of AEW, I would love that. And I think it would be awesome. Equally, if and Moxley says, gone. I was going to say, and recruited Garcia, yeah. Utah, Moriarty, Martin. Like that is, that's the way to get those guys to the next level. Yeah. No offense to what they're doing right now, but this is, this is, this is a rocket ship. But equally, if Moxley says no and has a match with Brian Danielson, I'll also be really happy with that because I want to see them have a match. Yeah, you know what? Uh, totally. That's I thought that's what I wanted, but now AEW have made the mistake of showing me <laughs> something I want even more. And they, they effectively said, yeah, here's what we were planning on doing, but here's a bit of like crazy fantasy booking. How about Danielson and Mox start a little MMA pro wrestling gym and get all your favorite people together and they do like the sort of Kurt Angle thing that Ollie won the semi-finals of the fantasy booking warfare tournament last year how about that ollie how about that would you like that i was like well yeah now i want that i want that way more than the moxie danielson match give me the that storyline for a year and also tell the friction between danielson and moxie sometimes and then they explode oh my god danielson and moxley going for the tag titles yeah well as i said like two-man power trip you can imagine moxley is champion Danielson as TNT champion, the pair of them as the tag team champions. The two-man power trip, people kind of dog on it a little bit, but mm. it was a stunning visual. Steve Austin and Triple H as like the two guys who were running the company and running roughshod over everyone was pretty cool. And Triple H's entry sort of just sadly derailed it. There was so much, there was so much more fuel to it that could have been done. I mean, it is kind of the super elite storyline we had the other year yeah. but this time it's moxley and danielson uh it was it, it was really good uh danielson left and moxley didn't give an answer so we'll see where this goes crucially um, though he he didn't shake his hand when mm. danielson offered it to him let's speed through the remaining stuff because that's, we honestly... cannot speed through this next segment you cannot speed through this next one I don't want to rag on the <laughs> Oh, I do, and I will. Take it away, Luke. Brandy Rhodes is an idiot. 
Okay, so that is first off the bat. I, I am coming out the gates hot on this one. This segment was an absolute train wreck, and it is Brandy Rhodes's fault. So what happened here is that Brandy Rhodes is feuding with American Top Team, and you're like, because they did a segment a few weeks back on Rampage, and they you know had their jibes back and forth and stuff, and you're thinking, okay, so this is leading to. Um, uh, American top team versus Cody Rhodes over the TNT title when Cody then won the belt. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's the direction they're going. No, apparently it's not. Apparently the direction we're going is Brandy Rhodes versus Paige Van Zandt as a celebrity um, special attraction match. In a way, on paper, that is absolutely grand and dandy. Would I have put Brandy Rhodes in that position? Absolutely not. Wouldn't be in the top 15 people I would have picked from AEW's roster to put in that position with Paige Van Zandt, but it is one that makes sense. She's got the reality TV show. She's the person that she was going to do the, um, uh, the Shaq match. It sort of makes sense to put Brandy into that position. The problem here comes is that Brandy doesn't want to be a babyface. And Brandy, so uh, this is from uh, apparently in Rose to the Top. Um, she uh, she had a conversation with Cody in Rose to the Top, where Ro Code said to her, "Code, Rose said to her, <laughs> look, you're coming back from injury. You should come back as a babyface." And she said, "I don't want to be a babyface. I like being a heel." So Brandy has made the decision. I am a heel. And has now put her into a feud where she also has to be the babyface going up against Dan Lambert because Dan Lambert is 100% a heel, which makes Paige Van Sant a heel. So Brandy Rhodes starts off this segment in Chicago being like, hey, Cleveland. Oh, sorry, Chicago. So the crowd boo her. Do you know what happens next? People cheer Dan Lambert. And Dan Lambert comes out and he's like, I'm a conservative sexist man who is making comments about your fake tits and how you're rubbish and how you have just slept your way to the top. And people are cheering him. And it doesn't work anymore because Brandy Rose cannot have your cake and eat it. If you want to be in the celebrity match with Paige Van Zandt as the heel, you have to be the babyface. If you don't want to be the babyface, don't be in the match. It is incredibly frustrating and idiotic. This should never have been put on television. This should never have happened. This should never have got past the page that have been written down on a piece of paper. This was, I think the worst segment in dynamite history oh T tell, me the the was, tell, tell me a second tell me a second at least they were defined. at least they were defined characters the dark order were mm. the baddies and the elite were the good guys they were defined the dark characters order were defined characters for a good two years they, they were defined heels they were the bad heel team mm. so like it made sense that they were the ones to destroy them also it was designed to make the dark order look like the new dominant tank like new dominant faction in there it had a point this failed on every single level and it is all brandy rhodes's fault you hit the desk so much your camera started <laughs> i don't know i hope my kid's not trying to nap um yes i agree with pretty much everything you said uh i but I, to, to go on further i think this is a great idea i think i think dan lambert I'm, I'm a big fan i think Paige van zandt like she really proved herself when she was on dynamite last she is a heat magnet and she's got that, she just carries herself like a star. Yes to all of this. But as we keep saying about Dynamite, there are a lot of talented women 
that they just don't focus on. Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb, where's Britt Baker on this episode? Britt Baker's the one who should be getting this mainstream thing. I don't care 100%. if Brandy's got a a reality TV show. And and you know, I I like the roads, but this was yeah, this was a this was a terrible segment and it was a terrible idea and it puts me in an awkward position as someone who likes the roads, the codes because it really stinks of nepotism. Why is Brandy exactly. getting these bits when she can't really cut a promo to the level that other people can? And she can't wrestle. Like, yeah. I, she, she's not a good wrestler. And even if you say, well, she, you know, she can kind of wrestle. Like, okay, I'll take that. But what about Nyla Rose, Ruby Soho, Britt Baker, Serena Deeb, Hikaru Shida? Like the, those, that's your division. Those are the people who should be getting the focus. Um, so yes, I, I, it's yeah, it stinks. This was bad, man. It's it was just bad from start to end. And Brandy, because like, and it, the, the segment failed on many levels. Partly because a Brandy started this off by calling Chicago the wrong city because she was trying to get heel heat for no reason whatsoever. But then mm. she tries to get the pop lines. And then do you know what happens? The crowd don't pop for her lines. And also she doesn't deliver them particularly well. She had one good line where she was like, we only got Ethan Page because we were trying to get Josh Alexander. That was a good line that the crowd did react for. But then she made a joke about Amanda Nunes that went over the heads of every single person in the building. And it was only like, and again, thank you, Sean Rossap, for explaining to me what mm. she was talking about. It was horrifically bad and people were like oh maybe dan lambert's the face in this did you see three segments later when he came out cutting a promo on the big baby face aew world champion he's still very much a heel i mean this is this is some weird weird decisions for for cody who's not even meant to be there anymore right <laughs> what's what's going on uh let's let's do speed through the rest of the stuff because yeah. we've gone massively over already uh, Hardy family office. They talked up private party. Isaiah Casti is going to get a TNT title shot against Sammy Guevara next week. Andrade still hasn't signed Derby. But why hasn't he signed Derby? It's because he needs to talk to his dad. <laughs> That's genuinely Andrade's line. I need to go talk to his dad. I don't love also, this stuff, but it gives people something to do. I, I actually get a massive kick out of it. I like this version of Andrade. Also, because I'm using your notes here, I just want to note you written down, Brandy said EC3 shouldn't be laughing. They only signed... Oh, did I say... Alexander. <laughs> Do that all the time with Ethan Page. I always write EC3. Uh, Kings of the Black Throne took on Death Triangle. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Everyone in this match is awesome. They had an awesome match, but not the big awesome match they will probably eventually end up having. Pat came out with a blindfold, did a bunch of spots, then took it off and revealed he can see. But Malachi Black got the win with Mist in the Face of Pack. Brody King hit Dante's Inferno. Another nice use of giving King the pinfall to get him over. It was on El Penta was on the finish. They missed his pinfall oh, sorry. and, and yeah, hit the finish on him. Um, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they were announced <laughs> as Kings of the Black Throne. The commentators call them Kings of the Black Throne. The Titantron said Kings of the Black Throne. Name bar said Knights of the Black Throne. So <laughs> I don't know if they would go, they were thinking about renaming them to give them sort of like an AEW trademarked name, but nope, they just called them the Kings of the Black Throne. Everyone else did. Uh, Adam Cole cut a serious promo because Orange Cast is in the rearview mirror. He's a serious man now. He's going to have a match against 
Evil Uno. So do you want a slight rampage spoiler? I think it's quite obvious. He beat Evil Uno very quickly. And then he said, winner of the championship match next week, I'm coming for you. So yeah, uh, Hangman versus Cole is probably the direction. Yeah, which is what had been reported a little while back that he was going to be the big revolution match. Um, you know, the, the, the Orange Cassidy feud almost have really set that up. Nyla Rose took on Ruby Soho. Lars Friedrichsen of the band Rancid was in the crowd. And apparently that's the first time they've ever met in person. Is it really? Yeah, apparently they Can that be possible? They've done podcasts and they've chatted on video, but that was the first moment they'd ever met each other together. That's that's really sweet. That is cute. Uh, Of course, he gave her the song. And yeah, this was a decent match. I quite liked it. There was a bit of a weird botch near the end, but ultimately, Nyla pretty much won clean. A little bit of Vicky shenanigans uh, with a beast bump. There was a moment during this match when I thought to myself, oh, we're in the commercial break here because it's just Nyla very slowly working over Ruby Soho. And then I heard Excalibur say, we'll be right back. Stick with the action in picture in picture. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, now we're going into the ad break bit. <sighs> So you weren't a fan? I, I oh, thought no, no, it the, picked up near the end. It did pick up by the end. Um, I really like Ruby Soho. Love Nyla Rose. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad they got you know, they got something to work with here. It was given mm. time, which is more than we can say for some women's matches in the past few weeks. So gets a thumbs up from me. Uh, the Ass Boys attacked Jungle Boy backstage, threw him in the snow, and then they were chased off by Christian. Uh, I mean... I don't think many people are into the ass boys that Danhausen is responsible for them being popular. Um, did you hear, have you heard the song that um, Danhausen has done? Yeah. Probably yeah. Like I watched two minutes it. of midnight. Oh my God. I have, been, I was singing it all weekends. It was, it was stuck in my head and I love, it made me laugh so much. I know. I, I feel like I'm the only person in the office that likes Danhausen. It's not that we don't like Danhausen. I just, I just don't get him yet. I, I, I hope I hope it will click one day. I I'm only mentioning this now because I want it on the record that I am a fan I am a fanhausen and I have been for a long time been a fanhausen. I got so much heat on Twitter last week. So many people messaged me being like, "Why does Wrestle Talk hate Danhausen?" I was like on the podcast where I said it was an awesome debut and he's great. <laughs> it's because I'm not on Twitter, so they, it has to direct somewhere. Uh, then we got Hangman Page. He came out. He cut a promo. Let's do this right now. Um, I, I wrote in my review, the cast of Wild Hogs came out. Pop the me. John Travolta 2007 movie. Uh, Dan Lambert, Jake Roberts, they cut a little bit of a promo. Lance Archer came out. They had a brawl. Page, like Hangman, bless him, is doing all he can to get this feud over. Archer chokeslammed him on an overturned steel steps. Ouch. And then a hit a blackout through the timekeeper's table, double ouch. Um, Kind of already seen this. So yeah, it's going nowhere, but it's going nowhere, but it ends next week. I'm I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see Paige move on to something actually good. And finally to talk about Chris Jericho's got a new gimmick. He's DFY wasn't getting over. influencer he's jericho the influencer like vlad the impaler no he's cooler he's a baby face he's jericho the influencer you know you've seen kylie jenner on that instagram no he's better than her 
yeah, he's he's stolen Brian Zane's gimmick. I can't believe the the temerity of the man. Yeah, GFY, like everyone was making fun of him for GFY, so he was like, well, I know what I'll do. I'll come up with a gimmick that's worse um, and, and make <laughs> references that no one cares about. Jericho, man. Like he's just he's just going through it's the crap cycle, it's the cringe cycle. He's gonna <laughs> come up with something good soon. Soon. He has to. So he called an inner circle meeting. Haven't had one of those for a while. Remember when it was like every week, <laughs> week we got State them. of the Union address. Our, at the top of the hour as well. At the top of the hour as well, so he could be the demo god. It was, yeah, like I, I honestly couldn't care less. I am interested in Eddie Kingston in this feud, but Jericho is all over it. 100%. And Santana on Ortiz. So we'll see what happens next week. And then we got the main event, which we've covered quite a lot. I gave this, I, I honestly blew my mind. I thought I'm going to protect the high 90s in my little rating system I came up with. I haven't given anything over, I think I gave Beach Break. No, the John Moxley return episode, I gave like 92 or something. 97%. Like the, the only bad thing on this show was the Brandy stuff. But the, if that wasn't on here and they had something better, this this would all time, this is one of the all time great episodes of Dynamite. 100 like i was talking about this with um andy in the office when i, I came into uh, the office a bit earlier this was like the opening segments the opening match and the following segment with danielson and uh, moxley was incredible stuff i thought the main mm. event which was effectively the last hour of the show was amazing loved the tag match as much as i've got some you know some complaining about the uh, the nyla rose ruby soho match i thought it was really really good and it was great to see them on television uh, the only down points for me were Paige's feud with Archer because it just isn't getting over and just like the promos but between Lambert and Roberts and, and Archer just when it got over like a fart in a church. The Brandy stuff was atrociously bad. Like proper turn the channel off bad. Just, just I, I would love people to try. It was amazing when I said, tell me your segment that was worse. Everyone in the comments was like anything to do with the Nightmare Collective, which is fair, I suppose. Again, though, bit of Brandy there, isn't it? A shot of brandy. How can we I make would like... brandy better? Put Luther with her. <laughs> uh, our community poll: fifty-one percent mm. gave this a five out of five. All elite. Thirty-four <clears> percent <throat> in an AEW. Some eleven percent saying middle of the road. Seems fairly standard, I think, for uh, AEW polls. But um, yeah, everyone very much enjoyed this episode, and I think that's off the strength of that opening and closing. Before we get on with the rest of your Omega Chats, let's say thank you to our wonderful Pledge Hammers on Patreon. $25 above or more gets you a shout-out and a wrestling nickname on this very show. So thank you, RT's Omega. Give me two seconds while I've got them. I've got it here. A baker's dozen. 11 of... No, sorry. 9 of 13. Up and above. Up above and Keith below. Oh, I like this one. Gold Raven, freak on a leash. NJ Hornsberg. Mad Mac, the meat father. Hundred dollar man, CD Horver. One of the all time greats, the Kessel Run DX Solo. Ryan Disco Stewart. Superkick, Nick Mazesco. Double L, Liam Leonard. 
And lastly, for this Hall of Fame class, on the 3rd of February 2022, the Findicator, Finn Brennan. Let's get through these Omega chats because we have, obviously, loads. Uh, Ricardo Rivera. I believe the first finish on the MJF Punk match was a callback to MJF Jericho when the match got restarted and Jericho won. Now the match got restarted, but MJF had a second plan to back him up. I guess, lol. Yeah, I think that's totally it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, AEW are very, very good at that, making references and rewarding fans for paying attention. Laxmi Narasimhan B. Danielson's character is kind of a frustrated, I left sports entertainment to join AEW, and what do I see here? More sports effing entertainment? Unsane? That's good. That's, that's so good. Marco Dominguez, sign me up for Brian Danielson's Cobra Kai, a sort of idea of a, a gym. A legit underboss, which do you like better for the name of Danielson's faction? The Dragon's Den or the Dragon's Lair? I mean, as a fan of the show, surely you're going with Dragon's Den. <laughs> down, 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 down. No, it's got to be Dragon's Lair. Come on. Uh, Nick Corvello. In regard to the Brandy Lambert confrontation segment, it was definitely bizarre, but my two favourite things from it were the Josh Alexander reference and Paige Van Zamp returning. Yes, hopefully she gets signed this time and gets a good showcase. Uh, I like Benoit right, uh, Ricker here. Since Cody outboxed the boxer, surely Brandy will submit Paige with a jiu-jitsu finisher. <laughs> and see it coming. Yeah. Uh, I, actually, mean... just, just lastly as well, I, I quite like the name Dragon's Lair as a reference to the, the arcade game. Laxmi Narasimhan B. About Chris GFY Jericho. I know his babyface run feels lame, but I'm a bit intrigued, mainly because historically, lame babyface Jericho has always been followed up with reinvented best heel of all time Jericho. Still annoying though. That's what I'm saying. He's in a cringe cycle. He'll come back with a better heel gimmick. He needs it. He proper needs it at this point. Um, legit underboss. If you two were to join the House of Black, what would your what would be your large gothic chest tattoo? Uh, the Ghostbusters logo. Mm. Um, but, but goth. Yeah, Snorlax. But goth. <laughs> but goth. Nick Corvello. Something intriguing for me during the Pentapack versus Black King match. Seemed there was a California Mexico invasion of Chicago in the front row, given the flag shown during the Olay chants. I'm curious if those guys were from the Bay Area like me or Southern California. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'll hot tag in. Jacob Smith said, I think Brian manifested the trio's title for me this week. Great men events setting up the story for Punk and Wardlow in the Revolution ladder match. That said, the length hurt the rest of the show for me. AEW need a break from plus-sized matches on TV. Oh, wow. I, I thought I, I was actually a real big fan of AEW putting on the main event as the main event. I, th yeah. I think it makes a better structured show. Uh, Jack Nichols, unfortunately, I had to go to work after watching the first hour. I'll watch the Punk MJF match on my break. Jazz, though, and the Mox Daniel Bryan segment was amazing. I said, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. I hope they run with that story. <laughs> What's your favorite Jerry Sags match? Also thought it was cool they wove the Squatch match into the story of Utah Mox, and Bryan used it as his point in the promo. If Jerry Sags isn't obscure enough, what's your favorite Johnny Jetta match? I don't know. I, I, I've got no idea, Jack. Uh, my favorite Jerry Sags one is any of his ones from uh, TNA. 
because do you remember when the Nasty Boys were went back to what joined TNA in like 2010? Feuded with the Dudleys. <laughs> Charles Berg, Brian Kendrick is an idiot and doesn't know his arsehole from his elbow. I wish him nothing but failure. The main event was fun. I found myself disliking the finish because other than Mox versus Yusa, every match had a screwy finish, which diminished that one. Hmm. Brett J. Rasmussen, it's my birthday today, and what an episode of Dynamite. The opening match, the women's match, and my God, that main event. The near falls, the drama, the psychology, everything about it was perfect. This is definitely one of the best matches in AEW. Agreed. Happy Plasma birthday, Brett. And a happy birthday. Plasma PD, morning, Luke and Ollie. Last night in Chicago was Winter is Coming, part two, Electric Boogaloo. I'm going to be honest, I didn't know it happened because I was half focused on 2K18, Switch version, until I heard MJF's music the second time. How can you not get absorbed? And PT, uh, sh surely it's spring break, right? This is a beach break. Yeah. Beach break episode. Christopher Jaskett-Hausen, it was a very clever move to have Danhausen come out with Yuta. The crowd forgot about Kendrick as soon as they saw him. Post-match mm. promo was very intriguing too. Fantastic thinking on their feet by AEW and everyone involved. Oh, I think that was always the plan, was this whole uh, Danielson promo. Yeah, but having Cassidy and Danhausen yes. out there made oh, I see. that yeah, yeah, yeah. much better. 100%. Uh, Kevin May. Hello. I've had time to reflect on last night's episode, um, but I was down on it. Really enjoyed it a lot. Mox and Brian is exciting. House of Black are awesome. The main event was outstanding. Ruby and Nyla was excellent, but pointless. <laughs> However, even though I'm not enjoying the Hangman stuff at the moment, where are, they, where are the Dark Order? Maybe the Cold Uno match will change that. Once again, though, my main gripe is Lambert. This segment is the worst thing I've seen on AEW. Please make it stop. Lambert wasn't the problem. It's gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we are the only podcast on this planet waving the flag for Dan Lambert's promos. You're supposed to not like them. And I, I think Brandy was the problem for me. Mm. Uh, William Rossmer, they were doing Let's Go Moxley Danhausen charts for most of the match. Also, during the main was a deep dish pizza chart. <laughs> Dan Lambert did his fastest heel, heel face then I've ever seen, thanks to the Cody zone. Lanos says, Luke doesn't use social media before the show in fear of spoilers. Meanwhile, I couldn't watch last night, put it on this morning, and as soon as the MJF Punk Star ma match started, my phone went off, and it was alert reminder for this video, your title killed me, LOL. Sorry, Lanos. Yeah, if, if you really want to avoid stuff, we won't take it personally if you disable notifications. Yeah. Um, Kanji Letters says, fans, TK, can we also have Flair versus Ronda? TK, you've got Flair versus <laughs> Ronda at home. Bodega Vega, I definitely didn't see the angle from Danielson approaching Moxley coming. And also, I do like that this is a big win for MJF. Uh, MJF uh, gets Punk's first loss out of the way. Love my two big, brave boys. I've had a big, brave boys in a while. Kevin. Somehow, a show with a promo where I don't know uh, which one of Dan or Brandy I want to punch in the face the most is a five out of five show for me. Universe vs. Mox was brilliant. The post-match is so intriguing. Punk vs. MJF was an incredible match. Can't wait to see what is next. Uh, Nick Corvello, Ollie, your lack of enthusiasm when Cole announced his opponent as Evil Uno is shared. Honestly, my dream feud for Cole is against Sammy Guevara. Phil Cole should be the one to dethrone Guevara for the good. So many directions you can take that fuse. Uh, yeah, even I, it's just I, someone he can beat it's just a way to I, th I think we're going to get a lot of enter dark order name here beat and to get to page for a while I, th I think it's a bit lazy uh, for Guevara I don't know I, 
ever since Danielson mentioned the TNT title, I'm like, I want Danielson to win it from Sammy. I think that would really, I think it'll work great. Uh, Yoko Littner, um, someone needs to show Andrade pretty much any anime ever to teach them about the power of friendship. <laughs> he wouldn't understand it. Um, <laughs> Celtless, uh, I love Nyla Rose. Uh, I really wish we would see more of her and the other women on TV, but at this point, it's beating a dead horse. Gem that gem, absolutely one hundred percent. A hot tag back. Hannah Allen says, "Are men an upgrade from women? Do uh, Australian dollars even count as worthwhile currency? Should women remove themselves before entering the Rumble to find their place?" Shrug. We're listening, yet we still love you, you cheeky sob. Lots of love. Jam that jam. Liw. Four, 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 four. Life. Did we say that? I, I was going to say. I was. Did you say this in the review? I don't think so. I probably <laughs> made some sarcastic joke about women. <laughs> oh, uh, can't say that, Kevin. Days. Can't say that these days. The, see, what was the quote from Dan Lambert? Uh, before I go down oh, in a ca- glorious fireball of cancel culture, <laughs> Kevin. This is a raw chat. Remember when Ronda came out, cut a promo and said, and that's all I have to say, drop the mic and then pick the mic up again. <laughs> Actually, I also wanted to say this, and she did twice. Then she buried Beat the Clock challenges as well. Uh, what, what a promo. Hyper Viper. Hey, guys, with LIW now holding the championship, we know they will not stop there until they get the Dynamite review. I think you guys need a faction name. Let's say the House of Jam. And we are the kings of the Jam Throne. The Red Throne. <laughs> the Red Throne. No, I like I the like Jam that. Throne. That's very good. Adam Pearson. Love you guys. Have some money. Thanks, Adam Pearson. Thanks. It's uh, a new section on my radio system. <laughs> Do you want me to read these ones? Sure. Uh, Abortion Reborn said, Ollie, I reject your mutually exclusive ratings for AEW and WWE. A teacher doesn't grade the class dip S word on a different scale to me. Dude gets an F, I get an A. Maybe do one to five in each in your own way and have a communal rating too. Because that's what this needs. More racing systems. I reject your feedback. Brett J. Rasmussen. Ollie, on your new rating system, I understand why you're trying to have a system that pairs up AEW and WWE, but the five out of five system just feels better and it's simpler. WWE is different than AEW. We need to look at rating the shows that way. Love you, Guy Housens. Uh, look, it took six months for the New Age Outlaws catchphrases to catch on. <laughs> Soon everyone will be like, man, Ollie's rating system. Mulas says, I haven't watched that much about the wrestling world as of late. I've only been following AEW. Now that I've got more time, I'm getting back into it. Decided to watch the review in the podcast today. Ollie, just one question. What the hell is 97%? 97% is this episode's worth of quality. Like I said, I'm still finding my range. I've only got six, seven episodes to, to fill a hundred slots. But hopefully, you know, in a couple of months time, I'm going to have a lot of data. And I can rank shows based on other shows that I've seen. And I can go, actually, no, this one was better than that. So it would, it'll get more concrete. And Shabar said, I liked Ollie's old relative rating system. Always got a laugh when people freaked out about it. The new system will take some getting used to. But have you thought about using decimal points? E.g. 92% is 92 out of 100, which is 42 out of 50. So it's a 4.2 out of 5. Because that's what this needs, Ollie. More ratings. <laughs> Right. 
Thank you, everybody, for your feedback. I'm going to take it on board. <laughs> Go buy our T-shirts. Look at our cool T-shirts. This is a dragon sleeper one. And it's really cool. Go to WrestleShop.com. Go help support the channel there. Also, head over to the Instagram page because this guy had a sexy little tiger shirt photo shoot yesterday. If you didn't see it already. Well, also, crucially, head on over to our Instagram because Rosie Nichols of No Rolls Bard has taken over our Instagram to give updates, picture updates on the new studio. Mm. So on Tuesday's episode of Raw, hopefully, if everything goes to plan, we'll be in the brand new studio. It's the same room, but it's done up and everyone's going to freak out about it if the rating system's anything to go by. Oh, this thing's rubbish. This doesn't make any sense. Why have you put the things there? Oh, my God. Change. No. And then you'll love it. Okay? You'll love it in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've just had a couple of more chats come in. Uh, some stupid punk said, obligatory condemnation of Ollie's review system. Why not just do one through ten? It seems simpler. Also, 70% in the US is a C-grade average. Also, I'm being the one to give LIW their lordships. I'm American. I have the right to give away your lands. What was that last one? Uh, so, sorry, some stupid punk was also the person that gave <coughs> LIW their lordship, and he's American, which means he bought mm. some of our own lands and gave That's it to That's not how them. it works. It's a, it's a joke present. It's a joke present. No court in the world is going to recognize your claim to a lordship. And Cornman said, it's interesting to me that you guys don't see the bigger problem with Lambert's behavior. There's a tremendous difference between heel heat and inciting violence against women. I find his continued presence on the show nothing sort of revolting. I don't think he incites violence against women, though. Mm. Does he? No, I mean, like, you know, just if you follow that argument through to its conclusion, what the hell was the intergender tag match? Where, you know, Adam Cole... I don't think he did he hit any actual moves on Chris Statlander, but that to me is like that's that's like kayfabe violence against women. I don't think Dan Lambert has ever even cut a promo that sort of does that. Like he is a he's a character. He is a mm. sexist character that you are supposed to not like. And like he does say stuff that is like really on the knuckle, edgy stuff. But that's the purpose of it. And like, I, I, I kind of, I do get it that there are people, you know, I think Stephen Larson and, and Alex and Sean Rossap have made very good arguments as to why they don't like Dan Lambert promos. And I, I totally get it. And I don't disagree with those arguments. But for me, like it is, he is a character getting heel heat. And I think it is working because he gets, like him and MJF are the only heels in that company that get legitimate heel heat. And which is very rare in wrestling these days. How are you getting on finding it? So, oh my God, shut up, Dynamite entrance music. <laughs> so it's not last week's one. It's the one before. So we're... It's the one before. So it's 322 is mm -hmm. the way it's titled on fight. Just immediately <clears throat> accessible. Dynamite. Uh, 0322, here we are. The, the okay. intergender tag. 
time so you're looking for this. is 24 minutes and 20 seconds. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on the back end <laughs> of uh, this video. See how oh, much well, if, it gets, if it gets flagged. It gets flagged, <laughs> even though it's not public. Uh, okay. Just for podcast listeners, we are going to 22. 24. 24. 24 minutes and 20. So I'll put it at 24 minutes, 12 seconds. Statlander and Britt Baker are in the ring. Over mm -hmm. to you, commentary team. Size and power advantage by Statlander. There's a very interesting variant of a backbreaker. And remember when we saw Chris Statlander challenge Britt Baker for the AEW Women's World Championship, Statlander basically had the match won. Did you hear it? I didn't know. Can we, um, can we I totally heard it. Can we throw a little bit uh, of volume I... up? Throw a little bit of volume? That's max volume. Yeah. I mean, like, can you turn up your own volume? That, is that how it works with the, the sharing? I think so. I think, oh, you mean um, in the settings? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so because it's the, sh unless, uh, where's the share screen settings? That one's on. Let me see if I okay. I can't boost it here either. But like, let's uh, let's play it again because uh, can I give you? I a definitely heard it. Can I give you a potential of what it is? I she think runs, it's her. She runs up and she blow as uh, she blows a raspberry. Yes. So here we are again. I'll uh, I'll commentate for audio listeners. Uh, Statlander whips Baker into the corner, hits her with a forearm, okay, here we runs go. over here we go. to Cole. Had the match yes, I, there it is. I heard it that time. I'm pretty sure she runs up to him and goes. It's a it's a mouth raspberry, and the crowd yeah. reacts. They all laugh. I don't think it's a fart. It's not a fart. Uh, if you think you found a fart in wrestling, uh, email support at wrestletalk.com. <laughs> send us a timestamp, and we will we will decide whether it is fart or mouth noise. Um, we will get to the bottom <laughs> of it. Uh, lastly, this comes in from Oliver, who says, Good morning, gents. Hope you're doing well. Haven't written for a while. And when you mentioned cringe wrestling stories, I start to think, although it's not a wrestling show, I find it painfully amusing, so I hope you will too. It must have been a good 10 years ago. It was at a big London Comic Con, not the XL Centre, but the other one in Earl's Cause. I was maybe 16 or 17. It was the sort of time when going out was more of a priority than wrestling. Uh, it sort of dropped out. But this was prior to this, I was big into TNA. As I was welcome around, as I was welcome around the expo, I spotted a booth. I first went walking. As I was walking around the expo, I spotted a booth with none other than James Storm standing there. The area mm. was vastly empty. You could hear a pin drop. Feeling a bit sorry that he wasn't getting any attention or being recognised, I approached him to say hello. Didn't really know what to say, but not having the pressure of having anyone else behind me to try and chat to him, I thought I'd have a laugh. So I said, "Hi, nice to meet you. Can I shake your hand?" He replied, "Sure," and proceeded to shake said hand. But as he grabbed my hand, I pretended that his grip was too painful for me to handle, and I let out a yelp of agony, thinking this would make him laugh. Instead, he jumped and backed away, clearly shocked at the possibility of causing me harm and a PR nightmare ahead of him. I saw oh. this and quickly told him I was just messing around. He glared back at me, clearly unimpressed. He changed the subject and asked if I was going to come to an upcoming tier show in the UK. At that point, I was so embarrassed about what I did. For some reason, I just blurted out, uh, nah, mate, I've got to go to work. Then turned around and walked oh. away without even saying goodbye. <laughs> you must have Nailed it. it. <laughs> Nailed that interaction. 
He must have felt so disrespected to think that was possibly one of the only interactions he had all day. Still makes me cringe. Anyway, hope you have a good little chuckle. All the best to you, Ollie Flood. Yeah, you and 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 rightfully so. You that better keep you awake at night sometimes, Ollie. <laughs> yeah. I want you to be having a shower, and all of a sudden you hear that noise that you made, and you ruin <laughs> James Storms's day. Uh, I bet he still all... thinks about it all the time. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. In theory, that is me touching wood. Eddie Kingston is on the show tomorrow. If not, there will be a backup show. Take care, everyone. Probably talking about Shane McMahon. Take care, everyone. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 